can go to Hebrews chapter 4 tonight. Hebrews chapter 4, continuing going through the book of Hebrews. And I tell you, I'm, I'm having so much fun studying this book and getting so much good stuff out of it. And let's go ahead and we're just uh, go verse by verse. We'll start reading. Just we're going to read verse one to start off. And it says, "Let us therefore fear, lest the promise being left us of entering into His rest, any of you should seem to come short of it." All right. Now it's important if we're going to understand what this is talking about. We've got to go back and we've got to look at the previous verses. So he mentions in here, you know, coming short of entering into his rest. So what does that mean exactly? So look back at verse, um, we'll start at verse six or 15 of chapter 3. It says, While it is said today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts is in the provocation. For some, when they had heard, did provoke, howbeit not all that came out of Egypt by Moses, but with whom he was grieved forty years, was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness, and to whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believe not, so we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. So what was it that caused them to not enter into his rest? It's very clear, unbelief, correct? He says here in verse one, you know, he's telling us to fear, you know, lest a promise uh, left of left of, left can't talk, left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. What could cause us to come short of entering into his rest? Well, I think we can find out exactly what that is. In Romans 3.23, it says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Why is it that we come short of salvation? Well, it's because of our sin. And so without reading all of Romans, with... uh, the reason we come short of salvation, the glory of God, is because of our sins. So that means no matter how good we try to be, no how many good works we try to do, we are going to come short of the glory of God. We can't be good enough. No matter how hard you work, no matter how hard you try, you will always come short. So what is it though, if we're going to pinpoint a sin that somebody does that causes them to come short, well, what sin would that be? You know, can we say murder, stealing, anything like that? Obviously not. What would that sin be? Unbelief. Unbelief. That is what will cause us to come short of entering into His rest. That will cause us to come short of the glory of God because sin is what causes us to come short, but we can fix that. We can fix that gap. We can bridge that gap by faith in the work of Jesus Christ. Okay, and the thing that we've got to understand when it comes to Faith in the work of Christ. And this is important when we're giving the plan of salvation to people. If you're out, if you're out there trying to soul win, it's, you know, just telling people, you know, believe in Jesus. You know, while the Bible does say, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved, there's many people that believe in, Je- that say they believe in Jesus, don't they? Catholics say they believe in Jesus. They say they believe on Christ. But when you say to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you're t- what you're telling them is you're trusting in His work to get you to heaven and not your own works. And do most Catholics do that? Uh, absolutely not. They are trusting in their good works to get you to heaven, and they are coming short. 
And the truth is, they are not believing the Gospel. They are not believing on Christ because they're not believing that His work will get them to heaven. And therefore, they come short. They fail to enter into His rest. Why? Because they continue to work their way to salvation. They continue to make it about the works of the law. We see in the book of Romans, it talks about how you know the Jews, they missed it. Why? Because they sought righteousness by the works of the law. And we're always going to come short when it comes to the work of the law. And so I believe what we're seeing here in verse 1 is the exact same thing as we see in Romans 3.23, coming short. Alright? We come short when we work. When you work your way to heaven, you're always going to come short. When you work your, you know, when you are working for your salvation, you're working. We're not supposed to work. We're supposed to rest. We're supposed, what does that mean? It means believe God. It means believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Trust in His provision to get you to heaven. So right there, that's what that's talking about when it talks about let us therefore fear. I, I want to enter into His rest. I want to receive salvation. Well, what's going to stop me from getting that? Unbelief. Right, unbelief. And you say, you know, that, you know, that's, that's so, it's so easy to believe, right? Well, listen, the devil's tricky. Okay. The devil's tricky. He knows how to get our minds in the wrong things. There's a reason people aren't believing. It's not a good reason, but there are reasons. And we'll see that here in a little bit. But sin is what causes us to come short of the glory of God. And so Romans 3.23 makes it clear. Our works are what make us come short. Our faith and the work of Christ is what will make up the difference. That is what will bridge the gap. So look at verse 2. It says, For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. Now notice here it says the gospel was preached to us as well as unto them. Who is the them? The Jews. Well, which Jews? Which generation? One in the wilderness, right? This is talking about those in the wilderness. He says, now this is why this, I'm telling you, Hebrews is the dispensationalist kryptonite. Okay? This is why they don't want you in the book of Hebrews. This is why they warn you about going into all kinds of false doctrine and heresy when it comes to Hebrews because Hebrews destroys dispensationalism. How can you preach that they had a different gospel in the Old Testament when right here it says the gospel was preached to them, specifically talking about them in the wilderness. That's who we were talking about in chapter 3. Though They were the ones who did not enter into His rest. Why didn't they enter into His rest? Because they didn't listen to the gospel. Which gospel? The one that was preached to these Hebrews. And I don't know. Maybe the, somebody who's full rucktard will say, well, that's because this was Hebrews too. This was still the gospel of the kingdom. I mean, uh, I don't know. I mean, you know, they, they seem to have another life for pretty much everything. But the truth is, this right here proves it's the same gospel. And it didn't profit them. Why didn't it profit them? Because they didn't have faith. They weren't, they weren't going to trust. It. They didn't trust the gospel. They didn't believe. They didn't enter in because of unbelief. They didn't get saved because of unbelief. God was not pleased with them because of their unbelief. It's mentioned over and over again in the Old Testament that their problem was unbelief. And we see in the New Testament, in the book of Hebrews, that the problem was they didn't believe the Gospel. I mean, real clear right there. They did not believe the Gospel. And so, there is no doubt to them he was referring to was those 
that God provoked in the wilderness. Look at verse 3. For we which have believed do enter into His rest, as He said, as I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. Now, if I could just get the whole world to listen to me right now, all right? If I could just get the trendies to pay attention to what I'm about to say. If I could get the, you know, the dispensationalists to listen to what I'm about to say right now. If people would just pay attention here for a minute and get this right here, it would help people in a lot of false doctrine. And we are seeing people all the time because they don't like a lot of the laws that are in the Old Testament. They want to just throw it all out. And they just kind of pick and choose what they want from it. And their go-to, every time when you start bringing up stuff from the Old Testament, they want to bring up the Sabbath day. Why aren't we keeping the Sabbath day anymore? And you've got people sometimes that are trying to make the argument, well, Sunday's the Sabbath now. Well, that's not the case. Sunday, Sunday is not the Sabbath. And for some reason... And I don't know, I, I don't like to, I'm not quick to throw people into hell. But sometimes I'm like, why aren't these people getting this? Why can't they see this? This is pretty clear. Is it that they don't want to see it? Or is it that something that you can't see when you are an unbeliever? Okay, but look at this right here. Okay, this is so important. He mentions here, as I have sworn to my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. Okay, what does it mean to enter into his rest? Okay, what did Israel do wrong that upset God so much? Okay, turn back to Psalms chapter 95, verse 8 and 11. Because right here, um, Psalms 95 gets quoted here in Hebrews. This is very important when you're reading the New Testament and the Old Testament gets quoted. Go back and see what he's referring to. They're, They're assuming you know this. Okay, and look at Psalms 95 and verse 8. It says, Harden not your heart as in the provocation and as in the day of temptation in the wilderness when your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my work. Forty years long was I grieved with this generation and said, It is a people that do err in their heart and they have not known my ways unto whom I swear in my wrath that they shall not enter into my rest. So that's what it was, it was quoting that here in Hebrews, God was angry at them for not entering His rest. Why didn't they do that? What was going on when they were in the wilderness? Well, without going back and reading the whole story of them in the wilderness, what was their problem? They did not want to trust God's provision. Here they are in a wilderness. What do they keep saying? What are we going to eat? We've got to eat. What are we going to eat? I said, I'll take care of that for you. I will feed you. They would end up up against an army. You know, they got an army on one side. They got the sea on the other side. What are we going to do? We got to be able to fight. God, you know, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. I'll fight for you. I'll do everything for you. And we see that God humbled them that 40 years there in the wilderness by doing everything for them. God did everything for them. God fed them. God protected them. He fought battles for them. God did everything for them. They did nothing. And it was, and, and that was humbling. And the Bible mentions how that was humbling. But they didn't want to do that. They wanted to provide for themselves. They wanted to go grow their own food. They wanted to do all these things. They didn't want to have faith. They didn't want to just trust Him. They would rather trust in the work of their own hands. 
And eventually, God was going to let them go into a land. We talked about this in Sunday school on Sunday. God was going to let them go into that good land that was flowing with milk and honey. But God warned them. He said, you all watch it because you're going to go in there. And I gave you this land. I brought you out of Egypt. You were nothing without me. You did nothing. I fought the battle of Jericho for you. I did everything. And when you get into that land, never forget that it was handed to you on a silver platter. Never forget that. But they did forget it, didn't they? And isn't that like our salvation? We did nothing for it. Nothing. No works. Nothing to boast about. Nothing to brag about. But you know what? Many people say, no, I would rather work for it. And that's what they try to do. God say, no, you don't work for it. You trust me. You trust my provision. You eat that manna that just comes from heaven. You did nothing for it. You eat that manna. Jesus Christ, I'm the bread of life. You eat me. Was he saying, you trust in me. That's what we've got to do for salvation. We have to cease from our labors and we've just got to trust him. Completely put ourselves in his hands. It makes more sense that I will go to heaven if I do a whole bunch of good stuff. God says, no, you won't go to heaven if you try getting there that way. The only way you go to heaven is by faith in me. You better just trust me. You better do what I tell you to do. You better cease from your labors and you better trust in me. And many people don't want to do that. So what it means to enter into his rest, it means to get saved. That's what it's talking about. It means to get saved. It means, and we're, and we're going to see these verses later in Hebrews. We're not going to cover them tonight. But this comes later in Hebrews where we learn what repentance really is. It means to repent of dead works and have faith in Christ. Stop trying to work for your salvation. Repent of that. Repent and have faith in God. Trust in His provision. Stop trying to work for it. That's what repentance is. When it comes to salvation, it's repenting of dead works. Because that's what your works are. They're dead works. And you thinking you can repent of your sins or turn from your sins. No, those are dead works. You need to have faith. And if you do that, you'll enter into His rest. It means to rely completely on God's provision to get you to heaven and not your own goodness, not your own works. That's pretty, And that's humbling, isn't it? That's humbling to be completely 100% dependent on the goodness of God and His mercy. But that's where we're at. That's, that's all we got. Boasting excluded is what, the, is what the Bible teaches. So right here, you know, a works-based gospel, that's why so many people can't get victory in their Christian life. A works-based gospel is is it handicaps people because it sent, it, it's got people thinking, you know, I've got to be good, I got to do better, and they're not getting any help from God. First of all, these people aren't even saved if they're trying to get to heaven through their own good works. So how are they supposed to make it then? How are they supposed to? How you know they haven't even got the Holy Spirit inside them. So that's why they're always failing. That's why they're always messing up. That's why they're always ending up back in sin and they've got to come back to church the next year and get saved all over again and repent of their sins all over again only to continue repeating the cycle because they're not trusting in God's provision. They want to trust in their own works just like the children of Israel in the wilderness. And what people need to do, and this is good news, folks. This is, this is what we're telling people when, they need, when we go out soul winning. Stop trying to be good enough to get to heaven and enter into His rest. Trust in Him. That's what we're trying to tell people to do. And so this is created, this, this, you know, works-based gospel, it's created two classes of people in churches today. 
It's got the Pharisees who appear to have their act together and are down on everyone else. And then it's got, you've got the publicans, I guess you could say, who get angry and bitter and discouraged because they feel like they can't ever measure up to everyone's standards. And it's like, man, I, I can't be like these other people. I can't be like that pastor. I can't be like this person. And then some of those people, the ones that are smart, they end up figuring out too that, you know what? Hey, the pastor's not that great either. The other people in church aren't that great either. And then, you know, the, everybody in that church is judging me. Everybody, you know, this, and, and you got all this fighting and stuff going on. Because it's always a contest about who's better and who's good. And the truth is, none of them you're going to heaven because none of you just put your faith in Christ. None of you have entered into his rest. And then, and this is what we've got in churches today. You got the goody goodies and you got the people that just can't get their act together and are always failing and getting backslidden and getting back in church and just back and forth. That's what we have. Why? Because people are missing the gospel. And that is salvation comes when we cease from our labors and we enter into his rest and have faith. Now the Holy Spirit can move in and now maybe something can actually start to happen. But it's not going to happen until people get that down. So the, uh, the Pharisees, you know, are, um, you know, the problem with both these people, you know, Pharisees, Republicans, they all come short, don't they? They all come short. The Pharisees aren't good enough. You know, the publicans, their problem, they don't, they're not good enough either, and, and neither of them have faith. And so, we've got to, we've got to understand, we've got to get these things down. So look at verse 4. It says, For he spake in a certain place of the seventh day on this wise. Okay, this is where we got to, you got to get this on the Sabbath. Got to get this. Please, we, we all promise me you're going to get this, alright? Get, please get this. I'm tired of arguing with people about this. I don't think it's that complicated, but it's like, people are making it complicated. For he spake in a certain place of the seventh day on this wise, as God did rest the seventh day from all his works. And in this place again, if they shall enter into my rest. Okay? When, what's he referring to here? Okay? What passage of scripture is being referred to here in verse, in verse four? We'll go to Genesis chapter two. Genesis, or yeah, Genesis chapter 2. Turn back to Genesis chapter 2. We've got to go back and we've got to look at what it's referring to so we don't, we don't miss it. Verse 1, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the hosts of them. And on the seventh day, God ended His work which He had made and He rested on the seventh day from all His work which He, he had made. Alright, I got excited about studying this, alright? I'm, I'm fixing to go all camp meeting on you here, alright? But listen... God did work for six days and then God rested. God did the work and then God rested. God did this. This was sending us a message. This was a message for us that we need to get. This is a message for us that people are missing. Okay, The purpose of the Sabbath day, it was a reminder to them. God, God was reminding them when God gave them the Sabbath day, I worked for six days and then I rested. He wanted them to practice that. Every Sabbath day, they're being reminded, God worked for six days and then He rested. God worked for six days. God did the work, then God rested. There was, there was a message they were supposed to get from that. Something that they needed to understand. God did His work, then He rested from His labor. The children of Israel were commanded to keep the Sabbath until Jesus Christ came. And then, Jesus Christ did the work of salvation and now we rest in Him. 
Okay? I'll, let me explain this a little deeper so you get this, okay? Why don't we keep the Sabbath today? Okay? Well, actually, I am keeping the Sabbath. Okay? I do keep the Sabbath. Every day is a Sabbath for me. Why? Because I am in Christ. Jesus did the work of salvation and He rested and I am in Christ and therefore I am at rest. I have ceased from my labors. I don't need to go back and do any of those ceremonial laws. I don't need to go and do the Passover. I'm not going to do those things. This April, whenever Passover stuff and all the trendies start doing their Passover meals, when Sluter's having his Passover meal with his Star of Rem fan behind him, I'm not going to go join him with that. It would be an abomination for me to participate in something like that. Jesus Christ finished that. It would be just as wrong for me to do that as it would for me to go out and sacrifice a lamb. Jesus finished that. He finished that work. And I don't need to work. I'm supposed to rest. That is my, that is my commandment. And making me do a ceremonial observance, it's, it's creating work for me. It's creating effort for me. I'm not supposed to do that. And so, um, this, you know, Saturday is the Sabbath, not Sunday. We keep the Sabbath by ceasing from our labors and trusting in Christ's provision for our salvation. That's how we keep the Sabbath. And the thing we need to realize about Old Testament law is that some of it was finished. Turn to Colossians chapter 2, verse 16. Okay? It was not done away with. Now, look, I got chastised pretty good for saying that the Old Testament law is still in effect. Well, let me, let me clarify a little better where maybe I wasn't clear enough. Okay? What is it? Are, are we not sinners? Okay? Are we not sinners in here? What is it that condemns us? It's that Old Testament law, isn't it? Okay? So, wouldn't that mean it's still in effect? Yeah, it's still in effect, but here's the thing. Now, this is a bad word in Baptist churches, but it, it's a good word. See, Old Testament is in effect, but you know what? The New Testament, it didn't do away with it. The New Testament supersedes it. Alright? That's what's known as supersessionism or replacement theology, and those are bad words. But the New Testament supersedes that. So yes, I am condemned by my sin because I'm guilty of breaking the Old Testament law. But you know what? There's a New Testament. There's a New Covenant. It's the blood of Jesus Christ. And if I put my faith in that, I no longer am condemned by that Old Testament. And I am saved by the New Testament, the blood of Jesus Christ. So, you know, I I stand by what I said on that. But let me just be more clear. The New Testament supersedes the Old Testament. So we need, we need to understand that. But look at Colossians 2, verse 16. See, we've got one book here, okay? Rightly dividing is not chopping the Bible up. We've got one book. But Colossians 2, 16 says, Let no man therefore judge you in meat or drink or in respect of any holy day or of the new moon or of the Sabbath days. So don't let anybody judge you of that. But it's all over the Old Testament. We're supposed to do those things. Yeah, but you know what? Those things which are a shadow of things to come for the bodies of Christ. They were a shadow of things to come. Well, guess what? They came. They came. Jesus finished them. He did those things for us. And so for us to observe the Sabbath day in a religious sense, it would be sacrilegious. It would be blasphemous. It would be absolutely, completely, utterly pointless. Now, if you're not saved... Yeah, I recommend you keep the Sabbath day. But while you're keeping the Sabbath day, I also recommend you keep every single law in the Old Testament. 
good luck with that. All right. You've already blown it. You better just go New Testament and you better just put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. You better cease from your labors. So, you know, the next time some trendy comes along and wants to throw out capital punishment, you know, and tell you you're a hypocrite because you don't observe the Sabbath day, you know, throw right, you throw this right back at him. You know, I can show you in the New Testament where it says I don't have to keep the Sabbath day like you're saying I need to. Show me where the death penalty got thrown out in the New Testament. Amen. You can't find it. It's not there. In fact, you can see where it's still there. So don't let the trendies, don't let the trendies have that. Don't let them trip you up by bringing up the Sabbath because that, that's ridiculous. We do keep the Sabbath. And how, how am I keeping the Sabbath? I put my faith and trust in the work of Christ. Amen. By me not trying to keep the Sabbath. That's how I keep the Sabbath. I'm not trying keep the Sabbath. I'm trusting in what Jesus did. He did that for me. So get you, we've got to get that in our heads. So look at what it says in verse six of Hebrews chapter four. It says, seeing therefore it remaineth that some must enter therein and they to whom it was first preached enter not in because of unbelief. Again, he limiteth a certain day saying in David today, after seeing so long a time, as it is said today, if you will hear his voice, Harden not your hearts. So right here we have, uh, it's quoting Psalms again, chapter 95. Uh, let me turn back there. Verses 7 and 8, it's referring to Psalms again. And so we need to make sure we go back and look at it. You know, I got it in my notes here. It says, For He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture and the sheep of His hand. Today, if you will hear His voice, harden not your hearts in the provocation as in the day of temptation, in the wilderness. So that's what he was quoting right there. And so the day of his rest, that is the day that you hear his voice and you believe on him. Amen. All right. Today, if you will hear his voice, in other words, if you will believe his words, if you will put your faith and trust in him, you will enter into his rest. Don't harden your hearts as in the provocation. Don't say, no, no, I'm going to keep working. I'm going to keep on trying to figure this out for myself. no, Learn from what the children of Israel did wrong. They didn't want to trust in his, God's provision. They didn't want to trust in, in His work. They did not believe Him. And because of unbelief, they died in the wilderness. And we will go to hell because of unbelief. If you will not believe that Jesus Christ paid for your sins, that He did all the work, you will go to hell. You will die in your sins. And so we've, we've got to have that faith and the day of rest it's the day you get saved. That's when you enter into his rest. Amen. So you're, you're, that's when you're recovered. So look at verse um, eight. Look at verse eight. It says, for if Jesus had given them rest, then would he not afterward have spoken of another day? So right here, Jesus didn't give them rest because of unbelief. Okay, he whenever because they didn't believe in him, they didn't enter into his rest. You know, they, they died in their sins. So if, if he, when it's saying if he had given them rest, then would he not afterward have spoken of another day? Okay. The, they missed it. Okay. They missed the boat because of their unbelief. And he's telling you, you've got to, he's, you've got to believe in me. You've got to trust my word. And so Jesus didn't give them the rest just simply because of unbelief. All right. You don't get the rest. You're not going to believe. You're not, if, if you're not going to believe in me, you're not going to enter into my rest. So look at verse 9. It says, For there remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. 
For he that is entered into his rest, he also hath ceased from his own works as God did from his. Y'all see that? God worked for six days. God rested on the Sabbath day. Okay? God rested. He did that as an example to us. He was trying to teach us something. You know what? And the truth is, when it came to our work for salvation, we couldn't do it, could we? And so Jesus Christ, He had to come to earth. He had to do all the work for us. He did all the work. He finished the work. He rested. And those of us who are saved, the Bible says, we're in Christ. We rest. Those who believe in Him have rested. We have ceased from our labors. Anyone who is trying to work their way to heaven. You talk to somebody, how do you know you're going to heaven? Oh, you know, I'm a good person. I'm going to church. They start talking about all these things they're doing. They're working. You know what that means? They haven't entered into His rest. They're, They're lost. Those people are not saved. They might be good people. They might be doing a lot of good stuff. But if they're going to get saved, you have to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Meaning, trust in His work. And if they're trusting in their work, then I'm sorry, they can say they believe in Jesus all they want. They don't. They haven't put their faith in Him. They're trusting in their own works. And so, verse 11, and this is, this is a verse too that can be taken out of context, but I'm going to show you another verse that says something very similar that the Calvinists like to take out of context, but I'm going to show you where they're wrong. Because look what we've been talking about. This whole time, we've been talking about entering into rest, haven't we? He just said, you know, for he that has entered into his rest, he also hath ceased from his own works, okay? So it's pretty clear that there's no works involved in salvation, right? I mean, that's very clear. In fact, it's adamant in this passage that you can't get saved if you are working. So look what it says in verse 11. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. So there we got the word labor. Good. I can finally work now, right? You think that's what he's trying to say? After all this time he's been telling us to enter into his rest and to cease from our labors, he puts that word labor there so we can find out what we're finally supposed to work for? Absolutely not. That is not what this is talking about. Turn over to John chapter 6 and verse 26. And I talked about this several weeks ago when we were going through the book of John. This passage, it, you know, it, it was getting thrown at me by some Calvinists that were online trying to challenge me on some of these things, proving that you know believing is a work because they believe that salvation is something that just happens to you. Okay. Well, listen, if salvation is something that just happens to us, and if salvation comes by us resting, then why doesn't God just come along and put us to sleep? You know, why, why does you know why does God tell us why is He so strong that hey, you need a rest, cease from your labors. Stop it! You know, why, why is he telling us that? Why doesn't he just put us to sleep? If Calvinism is true. Okay? And so they'll, they'll use this passage here in John to prove that believing is a work. But it's not. It says in John chapter 6, verse 26, Jesus answered them and said, Verily I say unto you, ye seek me not because ye saw the miracles, but because ye did eat of the loaves and were filled. Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for the meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give you, from him hath God the Father sealed. Then said they unto him, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? And I wish we had time to go through all of John chapter 6. If we went through all of John chapter 6, I mean, I can even prove, prove even more that this lines up with what I'm show, showing you in Hebrews. But we don't have time. But it says in verse 20, Jesus answered and said unto them, They said, What, what do we got to do? What's the work that we got to do? These are people who would not get the message. Jesus, they, kept, they came to Jesus wanting physical bread, didn't they? 
Jesus is like, no, you need the spiritual bread. You need meat. This is what you need. Don't You don't want that bread that you're going to eat and get hungry again. Hey, your fathers ate man in the wilderness and they're dead. Okay? He said, you need to put your faith and trust in me. That's what he's trying to get across to these people. Trust in me. Eat me. Believe in me. That's what he's trying to tell them. And these people aren't getting it. We want the bread. We want the bread. What, and so he finally they get it. All right. You know, what do we got to do to work the works of God? Here's what he said. Jesus answered and said unto them, this is the work of God that ye believe on him whom he has sent. And so he used that to say that that's the work. But wait a minute. He's saying this is not your work. He says this is the work of God that ye believe on him. Who did all the works for our salvation? God did. God did the work. God did the work in creation. Then he rested. Jesus did the work for our salvation. He rested. We are supposed to just believe in him. And that that's it. And I personally believe, too, when we're seeing this here, when he's son, you know, you want to know what to, you know what you need to do? You know what work you need to do? Here's what you can work on doing. Do nothing. That's what, he, that's what he's telling them. I gave the illustration back when I was in, in John, when I was working on our bathroom, and my wife kept coming and questioning everything I'm doing. Like, just trust me. Just let me do it. You know, it's like she keeps wanting to help. You know how you can help me? Quit helping me. And that's how, that's what God's trying to tell us here. It's like, you know, he, we, the children of Israel in the wilderness, they wanted to help God feed themselves. We want to have part in this. We want to do something. No, I will feed you. I will do this for you. And it's the same thing with salvation. You know, Lord, I right, you know, know we need you, but we want to do something too. Let us help you. What do we need to do to, you know, what's, how can we contribute to this? And God's saying, you know what you can do? You can do nothing. You know what you can do? You can go to sleep. You know what you can do? You can rest. That's what he's telling them to do. This is the works of God. Do nothing. Believe on him. And that's what he's saying here in verse and uh, in verse 10. For he that is entered his rest or in verse 11, let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest. Lest any man shall fall after the same man, example of unbelief. Clearly, that's the saying there. This is not adding to work. This is what people need to do. You, all right, what do we need to work on? You know what you need to work on? You need to work on just trusting Him. Amen. You need to work on you know, quitting, trying to get to heaven on your own and put your faith and trust in Christ. And so that's, that's what this is saying right there in verse 11, crystal clear. So verse 11 does not prove that salvation takes, takes work. He's telling a group of people that were working for salvation by the works of the law to work on entering into his rest. And that is accomplished by faith in Jesus Christ without works. The only work we need to worry about is the work Jesus did for us. We need to trust in his work, not our own work. So we're, we're going to, and we're, uh, look at verse 12. So it says, for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open in the eyes of him with whom we have to do. We're going to see later in the book of Hebrews that our works are dead. Okay? That's mentioned more than once later in Hebrews that we have dead works. Okay? Some of us are pretty impressed with our works. A lot of religious people are pretty impressed with their works. They think they're pretty good, but God sees it as dead. All right? Remember the Pharisees? 
You know, their mouth's full of dead men's, they're full of dead men's bones. Well, they sure didn't feel that way. You know what? That's how God saw it. And that's how God sees our works. They're dead works. Okay? That's what we've got to contribute. Okay? But we are born of not incorruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the Word of God. Alright? By the Word of God. And the Word of God, it's quick. It doesn't mean fast. Like we used to say, it means alive. That's what it means. It means alive. The Word of God is alive. Our works are dead. What we do is dead, but the work that God does... How did God get this universe into existence? He spoke it into existence. It was by the very Word of God that everything came into existence. And it's by the Word of God that we are saved. It is by, by His Word, by His promise. The Bible says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So guess what that means? It means if I call upon the name of the Lord, I'm saved. And there's nothing anybody can do to change that. Why? Because of the Word of God. Because of His promises. He gets the credit for that, not me. And so, uh, this, this fits in with what we're going to see later showing God's Word. There's life in that. But in our works, there's death. Because we're sinful. And the wages of sin is death. And so, in these last verses, he's kind of getting ready to transition into a new subject, all right? A new way of thinking. So let's read verse 14. It says, "...seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession, for we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Now, verse 14, notice how he says, you know, let us hold fast our profession. This is another verse some people might use and say this you know, shows we got to hang on to our salvation. Okay? No. What have we been talking about? What have I been showing you in the book of Hebrews? These are a people who they, they were the people of God. They had the right religion. Okay? But things changed. What changed? The Messiah came. He fulfilled all those ceremonial laws. He died on the cross. He made atonement for sin. They are entering into a new era. And so, you know what? Y'all had a profession before. You were the people of God. You know, you served the Lord. But if you don't put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you know what? You're going to lose that profession that you had. Okay? Doesn't mean saved people can lose their salvation. It just means these Hebrews as a people would no longer be a people of God. Don't want to re-preach last week's message. Okay? But this is a reference to these Jews as a, as a people, as a group, who were the people of God. If they do not make this next step and put their faith and trust in Christ, then they are not going to continue being the people of God. They will lose their profession. That's, that's what he's telling them right here. And then he mentions the high priest. And he mentions that Jesus Christ is that high priest. We have a high priest. It's Jesus Christ, the Son of God. You see, there, this was something that was going to be very difficult for the Jews to understand. Okay? And he spends uh, quite a bit of time dealing with this subject. Now, you and I, we're not going to struggle with this having grown up in Christianity. But if you were a Jew especially back in those days, this right here, it's going to be, it's, this is going to be tough. It's actually going to take some faith because of the fact 
uh, Jews always had a high priest. There was always a high priest they could look at. They always knew who the high priest was. There was always one high priest. He was always from the tribe of Levi. He was always one that descended from Aaron, was in a certain line. They always had a high priest and they knew who it was. An interesting side note, you know, the high priest always remained a high priest until his death, didn't he? And he mentions Jesus Christ as being the high priest. And guess what? Jesus Christ is still the high priest today because he's and he's always going to be the high priest because he's never going to die. But at the same time, they're being told they don't need one in a sense. In a sense, they don't need an earthly high priest anymore. That's going to be tough for them. They always had to have one. They always had those sacrifices and those things that the high priest did. They were used to that. That's what they were accustomed to. That's what they had done for hundreds and thousands of years. They had that high priest that did that work. They had that tradition. They were used to it. They were comfortable with it. But now he's telling them, you know what? It's not about an earthly high priest anymore. Actually, we've got a better high priest. And that priest is Jesus Christ. And so what he ends up doing in these next chapters, he ends up explaining how Jesus fulfills that role of high priest. Because they were very familiar with many of those things in the Old Testament law that maybe you and I are a little fuzzy on. And and saying that Jesus was the high priest too, it caused a lot of questions because wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Jesus was from the tribe of Judah. How does that work? Well, that's when he gets into the whole priest after the order of Melchizedek thing. He's giving them something. Hey, no, you'll understand this. This actually is consistent with the Old Testament. And he's going on and he keeps going back in these next chapters. And he's giving examples from the Old Testament, trying to let these Jews know that, hey, we're not throwing out the Old Testament. What we are doing is we are continuing on with what the Old Testament taught. You all are not being disloyal to your religion. You're not being disloyal to the Old Testament. You're doing exactly what you're supposed to do. And if you don't follow Jesus Christ, you're going to be making the same mistakes that your fathers made in the wilderness. So we need to get it right this time. We need to put you need to put your faith and trust in Christ. You need to make that next step. You need to do the right thing. And it was tough for them. Because they were so entrenched in their traditions and and just doing things on their own. And so he's just explaining once he's explaining to them here that you know this, what we are in right now, what we do today, it is a continuation of what was started way back in the Old Testament. We are continuing on with what was started. Yes, there's things that are different. We are not sacrificing animals. We're not keeping the Sabbath day. We're not keeping the Passover and things like that. We're not doing those things anymore. Why? Because that got finished. So are we now disloyal to the Old Testament? Are we disloyal? No. We're doing, we're doing what the Old Testament told us we should do. It, it, it actually, and he gives all kinds of examples and shows prophecies showing this is what was prophesied. This is what the prophets knew was coming. We are here. This is it. It's happening. The question is, are you going to believe it? Are you going to have faith? Are you going to trust? Are you going to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? Or are you going to reject the gospel just like the fathers, our fathers did in the wilderness? The gospel was preached to you as well as unto them. But they didn't have faith. 
are you going to do the same thing? So it's very clear. He's just whoever the writer is of Hebrews, he's trying to show them, hey, you're not doing anything disloyal. Chapter four, it's all about getting the Jews to repent of their dead works and to have faith in Christ. Stop it. This is what John the Baptist preached. You know, he taught, he preached repentance. You're saying out within yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. What is that? They thought because they were Jews, and not just because they were Jews and because of their bloodline, but because of all the things that they did, being Jews, because of their circumcision, because of all their keeping of the laws and their washings and all these things. They thought they were going to have because of those things. They said, you better repent of that. Repent. Hey, one's coming after me. You know, behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. What's he telling them? You better believe on him. You better put your faith and trust in Him. It's all about repenting of dead works and having faith in Jesus Christ. And having faith in Christ, it's not just believing that He existed like the Catholics or the Mormons or even the Muslims. They believe that Jesus has existed. You ask a lot of people, do you believe in Jesus? Yeah, I believe in Jesus. doesn't mean they're saved. Here's the question. Have you ever received the free gift? What did you do to receive that gift? Well, I got baptized. Well, I did this work. Then You didn't get the gift. You didn't get the gift. You know, what we're, you know what we're out there trying to do? These people that get scared of us when we come knocking on their door and stuff. What do these people want from me? What are these people asking from me? What are they, they going to try to get out of me? What are they going to try to make me do? You know, we're going to try to get them to do nothing. We're going to try to get them to put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Yeah, we'd love it if they came to our church and gave their tithe and all those things. That would be great if they do those things, but ultimately we're trying to get them saved, which means we're trying to get them to stop doing stuff and to enter into His rest. That's what this is all about. And so we've got to believe, you know, we've got to trust in his work for salvation instead of our own works. Crystal clear in the book of Hebrews, the dispensationalist kryptonite is what the book of Hebrews is. And we're going to keep on going through that. So I hope that was a help to you. So that, let's have a word of prayer. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for your word. Lord, we thank you that you did the work for us, that all we have to do is rest in You. Believe Your Word. Lord, You, you couldn't have made it any simpler. You couldn't have made it any plainer in, you, in Your Word. There's no doubt that those who die and go to hell will do so because they rejected Your Word, because they did not believe Your Word, not because they were just too bad of sinners, Lord, but it was, just, it was simply unbelief in the work of Your Son. And I pray You'll help us, Lord, to uh, be able to spread this message and get it out there so people will know. We thank you uh, for all you've done for us. In your name we pray. Amen.